Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around security for the last 20 years. I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work in vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. But as part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigued to learn how companies start. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivates people to start their own journey. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have Nadia here today. We're going to talk about her journey and how she started her company. Nadia, can you please tell me about yourself and the company? Hi, I'm Nadia, co-founder of CoGuard. And we have developed a solution that scans all layers of IT infrastructure and their dependencies. So basically it works like a highly intelligent spell checker or Grammarly for configuration files and their interconnections in order to predict breach pathways or downtimes in advance. So lately it was really exciting for us, although bad news for Rogers, we were pretty excited because we were like, oh, this is a clear example. This outage is an example of the problem that we are trying to solve. Gotcha. For people that are listening to us that are not in Canada, Rogers is one of the biggest ISPs and cable providers in Canada. It went down a couple of weeks ago. And we realize in Canada that even big companies need redundancies, not just Rogers Banks and everybody else. So Nadia, I understand the company is relatively young, correct? Yes. So we actually just incorporated in 2020, August 2020. So I'm wondering why and what happened in your life that led you to the decision to start the company? Well, so really the decision to start a company has been with me since a very young age. So for as long as I can remember, I've worked for myself. I can remember wanting piano lessons from a very expensive, really good teacher and that I needed to pay for it myself. So I taught piano lessons in order to go to this piano teacher for higher levels of education. So starting way back then, I was working for myself and I grew up in a family with father, grandfather, uncles that all had their own companies. So I knew what it meant to work for yourself and how that it was a possibility. So it was always my dream to start a company and not just a small company, but a large company. I first dove into running my own company by starting a music school back in, I think it was 2016. And I was very involved in the music industry at that time. And I remember going to a conference that was hosted in Kitchener called Fuse Nation in 2016. They had Steve Wozniak speaking. They had, and the talk that really stood out to me was one by Michael Litt, who's a founder of Vidyard. And he was talking about how Kitchener-Waterloo region has a very high concentration of very, very talented developers. And, but what is lacking is sales and marketing people with strong people sense and ability to make connections. And I was sitting there listening to this talk thinking, well, that's me. That's where I can come in and fuse my creative music background into technology is building connections between people and ideas and solutions. So that's the very general way that this happened. And then the part of my journey where it gets a little more interesting is so I'm actually co-founder with my husband, Albert, who is a software engineer, PhD, University of Waterloo. And over the past 
five years we talked about i just wanted to ask you where you found your co-founder and you answered it already so i guess you came home went to the (laughs) kitchen and say honey you know what (laughs) yeah so actually this is where it gets interesting so i had an original idea that he started working on and it's we kind of laugh about it now and say well canva took it we didn't know at the time that you just need an idea and the ambition to get people around helping go get funding and then build. We did this whole, like, you need the big product in order to go to market. You need to have everything before you can go to market. So as naive starting co-founders, that's where we, we went this whole product first journey. So we, we had been talking about business ideas for a while And he started coding one or two of them. And we discussed things back and forth. But what really became evident was the need for more tooling in cybersecurity. So in three years, I had letters to my mailbox saying that your data was involved in a breach at this major retailer and at one insurance company. And there was a class action lawsuit and all kinds of paperwork coming. And I was like, how is this two times in three years happening with this much data involved? across Canada. So Albert and I started researching more in the area of cyber. Then when it came to his work, working as a software engineer, he discovered, okay, so I'm now setting up cloud services. I'm now setting up databases. I'm now doing other more DevOps related work. And there isn't a static analyzer that like can check over my shoulder. Like it checks my code before I deploy it to make infrastructures more stable. So he just started investigating, okay, so this is why there could be so many human error caused data breaches. There isn't a tool that's before things are released, checking that everything was done correctly and that the way it interacts with the infrastructure, it's not going to break anything. So he started coding while I started doing market research and we discovered, okay, there is a gap here. There is a tool set needed. So let's, let's get on this. Meanwhile, we probably five, I was five months pregnant at the time when we came across this idea. So it was like, okay, so now we have this company and we're having a baby and I have two teenagers. So we were trying to figure out how is this all going to work? So on my mat leave, I started doing more of the market research, building the website, creating. So I'm wondering for the person that was not technical. Yes. How hard was to do the market research? Well, there was a lot of research available, which especially like Verizon's investigations data breach report, where you can really see the trends in what is causing the breaches, where is the steep rise happening? So a few months before we incorporated their 2019 data was published in their 2020 report which showed misconfiguration had risen to be one of the top five threat action varieties. So we knew, okay, human errors are one of the top threats and they rose steeply between 2016, 2018. So then we just kind of dove into market research. What are the other tools? What are the other processes? Companies are very open with their demos and their materials. You could kind of get a sense of where they are in the market and where are the gaps. So we did see that, yes, there is a gap here. Then Albert went on to talk to a co-founder, an original co-founder of Coverity that sold to Synopsys in 2014. And from there we learned that, yeah, this was 
an idea even back then that we needed to go bring static analysis to configuration files. They sold before they started going that in that direction. So it just, we got some validation from the community as well that, okay, this is some tooling that's needed. This is a problem. And so we started developing. What helped you to stay on track, to stay focused, to make sure you're not losing the correct, you know, motivation and the path? That's a very good question. <laughs> now I'm like, stay focused. I feel like there were so many things going on at once that the it was very easy to keep the sole focus as we're building a company. We know we're building a company. We're building a product to go with the company. I think we were very focused on dedicating all of the time needed to build the product. So I like to make the German PhD joke here that, that people who we work with also make is I have a very organized co-founder who loves ticketing systems and organizing and prioritizing tasks. So I do contribute a lot of the organization piece to his ability to really prioritize all of the work needed in the build process. And when it came to sales and marketing, then I quickly brought us on to a CRM system to start prioritizing the tasks that we need, the goals and objectives that we're working towards, which in our early days were fundraising. So we were heavily actively pitching and fundraising as well as seeking out our initial customers all at once. So it was very difficult to prioritize. I'm not going to lie. And I think it was just a matter of what is the most pressing, urgent thing we need to do today to get us to our next milestone. So this is an interesting question because as you mentioned, your co-founder, your husband is very, very organized. Yeah. And sounds like he wants everything to be perfect, you know, like a clock running. What do you do when you're looking for a customer? What comes first? Marketing, product, how far do you push and tell the customers what you have? Even so, you maybe don't even have it, but you know it's going to be done in some time. Okay, so this is the interesting part of our journey is we had the full product which people found unbelievable at first, first. So when we went to market, there were no false promises. There were no like, we will have this eventually. They were like, we actually have this. We actually can do this for you today. So, so we went to customers telling them exactly what we had built and also looking for feature ideas of further features that they wanted to see. The problem was how we were selling in the early days. So the problem was really that people didn't always know that they had a pain. And I'm sure many people when they're selling in cybersecurity run into this issue. Until there's a data breach, there isn't a budget for certain tools. So part of the issue was how do you sell a solution to a pain they don't yet know they have? So then we really had to reframe how we were selling. So we were trying to sell top down so CEO, CTO, CISO, and sell it more as this quality assurance. So you have eyes into every layer of your infrastructure. You can see what's done and where and what needs to be done to make sure it's secure, following compliance frameworks, that there isn't a best practice not being followed, that there isn't a potential cost for a downtime later, that they can just map out what's being done and when. And this also helps when they're hiring a new person to take over a piece of the infrastructure management that they know what has been done and what they should be doing next. Problem, those C-suite 
would send us downstream to be vetted by their IT department or DevOps department. And then it became very clear that while they liked what we were doing in theory, they did not want to scan their infrastructure because it's going to show errors. And then management- Nobody wants to see problems. Nobody wants to show their manager and be like, we tried this tool, we love it. Look at this report that flagged like 12 high critical items that need fixing, five high level items that need fixing. So that became a very evident problem to our sales cycle. And we really needed to then reframe the solution to what it is today. So essentially it's the same product in a different framework or communicated in a different way. Basically, the whole idea is we want to help DevOps configure their work faster and better because they don't have time to learn every new service. They don't have time to learn and understand the complexity of their full IT infrastructure. They don't even know sometimes how where a configuration file is. And we discover that in discovery calls. So here we're like, okay, here's a tool. You can use this tool to scan your work before you deploy it so that it can tell you what you might need to change and how to change it. So you from the, you pivoted from the original idea yeah. to something a bit there. I'm wondering if you can go back three years ago, what are the advice you will give to yourself to do something different in the company? I would probably say that we could have developed less product first. So looking back, I would have been like, okay, we could have had a smaller subset of the product, like an MVP built, tested it on the market to get traction, to show user traction, to get your numbers up, to then go to market with the full product and an investment to back it, a larger investor to back it so that we could have a bigger team quicker. So that's, that's the way I would have done it if I looked back and we knew what we knew today. Gotcha. So let's switch topics. Let's go to the dark side. And for the listeners that are still here, eventually this part will potentially probably will be members only, but right now it's available for everyone. We're going to talk about what went wrong. Give me and tell me some dark sides. Bad investor meeting, hiring, maybe time when you were thinking, what are you even doing here? Why am I not teaching music and just doing something else? No, that's that's really great question. So as everybody listening who has worked in a startup, ran a startup knows, there are many, many ups and downs. So in one day, in one hour, you can have two ups and three downs or so there's always things happening. I So if I go back to our early days, one of the hardest things for me was taking on a co-founder role in this company. Now I'm going to be very honest here. When my husband said, and I've done all the work, I'm in the background doing everything. I'm reading emails. I'm writing emails. I'm proofreading everything. I'm doing the market research. I was like, well, what are the optics here? First of all, I don't have a technical background and I'm coming on board with you. You're also my husband. So what are the optics? What is it like for investors? What do people want to see? Like, how can we guarantee the best possible success for this company? So I really hesitated on that, not because I didn't want it, but because I wanted the company to succeed before me taking on any role or title. So to me, it was like, what I am doesn't matter as much as what the company is doing. So he had to convince me. He even had to bring me. I told him, you convince me. It's okay. Husband and wife team, we can do this. 
And he brought me research studies to convince me to come on board. So I came on board and then a couple of our first investor meetings, the big no for them was you're a husband and wife team. We're not investing in husband and wife team. And so you can imagine how hard that was for me when my initial reaction to coming on board was, I want to make sure this company gets ahead. And that's the most important thing. And then to have the no's be because you're a husband and wife team. So moving forward, I went and talked, had a couple heart hearts with people in my network about this issue. And we got one of our first two checks that way, actually, from an investor who knew me, who had just sold the company, who said, do not listen to them. They do not know you or Albert at all. And they don't know what you're capable of. So carry on. Here's a check. So it was really amazing. It was really great to have that moment of validation. And we just kept going. And from there, we had other investors come on board that saw value in both of us. And we have proven to be a very strong team. And that was a darker moment for us. Yeah. What about customers? So far, I would like to say, because we're still a very young company, we've had really positive experiences with the customers we're working with now. So we're getting really good feedback. They're finding the tool valuable. So we're not really having a struggle there. One darker moment was with a company that we were really excited about potentially getting to work with. We were working towards a POC in the insurance sector. And we had our champion on the inside who was the CTO and was pushing things forward. And we were in procurement and our lawyers were reviewing the procurement documents when suddenly it all came to a halt because that CTO went to another company. And then the person underneath him stopped the whole pause the whole project so we were left then with like a couple thousand dollar legal bill and no deal and we had a lot resting on that deal it was taking about a year it was a very longer sales process and then to watch it all just fizzle when we know like value is at our fingertips we could see errors in their login portal we could see that they've got misconfigurations behind the scenes just from the bare eye looking on the browser. So we knew, okay, that's only touching the surface. Like we cannot wait to get in there and do a POC. Like this is going to be awesome. And then it all just came to a halt. And so just really understanding that uh, enterprise sales is really long and hard. And one day to the next, it can just end. The deal can just not happen. So that's, that's definitely a heavy... Any hero model that you have, somebody that you look up to that help you to become you or you want to be like someone? Well, that gets into a more note in the sense that in the early days of our company, someone I always looked up to was my father. He had his own business. He worked hard. He was a, a label printer. And he worked hard his whole life. And I used to ride my bike around the shop as a little kid and be there. And I always admired him. So he was a man of very few words. When we started the company, he told Albert and I, Albert, with your smarts and Nadia, with your drive, this is going to be something one day. And that was really huge because this was a man of very few words, let alone compliments. That just was rare. So it was very special. So I was very excited in in calling him. I did my first pitches to him because I thought he's completely non-technical. I need to be able to practice 
on non-technical people, Albert and I, pitching so that the greater public, the greater our greater audience can understand what we're doing. So he was so patient, listened to all our pitches, gave us feedback, and he had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> so it was great. But then four months later, unfortunately, he was diagnosed with cancer unexpectedly. And that was definitely a hardship because, you know, we're founding a company. He was there in the early days supporting us. And then I spent every single weekend for the next seven months visiting. And then he passed away. So there's a big motivation behind what I'm doing now to carry on that legacy, to do the best that we can. This is very, very deep and strong. Thank you for sharing. And it, and it showed me that life is really short. So we all need to be not afraid to live our fullest potential now. And it, it's really something that really has stuck with me because I always, I feel like a lot of people stop themselves from achieving because they think they don't fit a certain mold or they're not uh, the best for the job or they're, and, and it's those people that have the passion and the drive to see something through to the end. And it, we have to stop stopping ourselves. And that's, I think what I learned, you know, life is short, do it now. Nadia, I think we have a lot of good materials here. I'm very happy to listen to your story. A lot of people claims that you need to have a degree there, you need to have an MBA, you need to have this and that. I think it's not what you have, it's what you're willing to learn and willing to do. I'm so glad that we live in the era where we can pretty much open YouTube and take a course online and learn whatever we missing. And as you mentioned, we have friends and family where we can get feedback and we can understand what we're missing. And mm -hmm. it's providing anybody with a drive and motivation to do whatever you want. So thank you very much for being here. I'm hoping people will listen and get inspired and learn and understand what they can do as well. And I hope maybe people will reach to you as well and ask for advice. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. It's been my pleasure. If you're still here with us, please don't forget to subscribe, leave comments and share the episodes. It's helping the show and more people are able to listen to the show and learn more about interesting and very positive things. Thank you.